how in the world can you convince yourself that, well, this is just how it's always been and this is why it needs to be this way? No. Because the Bible tells me so. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Olivia's complete silence. (laughs) Today we are talking about what is a woman? What does it mean to be a woman? We got to talk about this. Yep. Being a woman is more complex than being assigned female at birth. I think everybody who listens to this podcast is not surprised that we agree with that position. So, yeah, we're going to talk about it today and define some terms. We're going to be defining a lot of different terms and then talking about what we find problematic about the definitions. Yeah, honestly, I never actually thought what it meant to me. Did you ever like seriously sit down prior to this episode and like give it some deep dive thought? Fuck no. Yeah, no. But that's because we are cisgendered women, right? So we just get to exist as women by default and not really think too much, if anything, about what constitutes womanhood and if we are adhering to that. I would agree with that. And I do think that is in one way where when you're part of a dominant culture, in this case, cisgenderedness. I don't know if that's a word, but it is right now. It I'm is on this podcast episode. All right, let's go. Yeah. I think that being in a world that centers cisgendered identities, and that's an identity that you have, I think it's something that you just, you're privileged enough not to have to question. Because we never had a question about it. You know, when we were girls, we were girls and we were okay with that. And now that we're women, we're women and we're okay with that. And we don't have to think too deeply about it or have too much pushback from it. Um, Maybe as black women, sure. But as I was going to say, as a black woman, (laughs) I have definitely experienced somebody calling me, sir. Girl. I was thinking about that the other day. Yes. This is when I was a little girl. I had a hoodie on and I had the hood up. And someone was like, oh, I didn't know talking to my mom. She was like, I didn't know that you had two sons. And I was with all my siblings and stuff. And they were like, that's a girl. And I felt so bad. I was like, I'm not a boy. Like, I felt terrible. And I think about that, like, especially for trans people, like, maybe that's how they feel all the time. Right. And you said you were called sir as a whole ass woman. And how did that make you feel? (laughs) You know, that's interesting because the situations in which I've been called sir, because there's been more than one, unfortunately. Mm. No surprise to anybody listening to this. I'm a very assertive woman. I show up a lot in these different spaces regarding skepticism and philosophy and things like that. I used to be in debate spaces a lot on social media. And uh, yeah, I'd get called sir in those instances for being an assertive woman being a critical thinking woman which is like really strange because we exist and it shouldn't be considered a masculine trait to think critically (sighs) or debate or argue with tact i find it really interesting too that there is this idea that women are all of these things except rational Like they're not rational. They can be reasonable. They're emotionally driven and all this other stuff. There's only one way to be a woman. Now that I will say as a woman, I have run across that like, well, women should X, Y, Z. And it's like, or women should women think this way. All women want X. For example, 
I remember arguing with this chauvinistic piece of shit one time. And let's be honest, you just can't have conversations with certain people. I can't. This person was like, yeah, it was regarding relationships. And he was like, women want to be loved and men want to be respected. And I was like, I would argue that women also want to be respected. What the hell is that about? Like, so putting no, that's from a book this- title. Is it? Yeah, there's a book called Love and Respect. Seriously? Written by some Christian identifying garbage. One of those. Yes. I, I can believe it. Well, religion fucks women over all over the world, so... That makes more sense. I didn't know that. I'm not going to say the person read that book, but I'm sure they've heard Probably it. Probably they did. Due Let's to the honest. popularization of the ideology expressed Ugh. in that book. All right. So shall we get into some definitions? Let's get into some definitions. I have a definition for woman. This is the one that is very inclusive. A woman is an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may be have been said to have a different sex at birth. And you said you have a problem with that. Share with the class. Okay, listen. Here's the thing. I don't know how they can put this in the dictionary, okay? Mm. Well, let me just start by saying that. But female and woman are not the same thing, okay? Female is a biological sex. Woman is gender. Girl is gender. That's difficult. I understand it's difficult because how do you put it in the dictionary if we don't use the word female? What do you use in its place? I would say uh, you could probably insert something along the lines of identify strongly with femininity. I know that's also problematic because there are men who identify strongly with femininity, who participate in the feminine more than they participate in the masculine. I don't know how to fix that, but female is not gender. Female is not gender because your biological sex is determined by your chromosomes. And then you also have the people who are intersexed, right? Yeah, I think this is 10% of the population or something to that extent. That's a pretty good percentage. So I see your point and I agree with it. I just really do not see how else this definition could have been said. I don't, I don't know how you do it. I really because don't. We're going to have to give that another 20 years. <laughs> man. Yeah, because female of being a sex, okay. But femininity, that is a social construct. So is woman. Yeah, no, no, I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying, but femininity and masculinity, what determines that? If we're talking straight up biology, then we're talking base level testosterone and estrogen, which we all have. But you can't argue that. Those are biological chemicals, hormones, whatever. But femininity and masculinity are social constructs that, yes, have a very... So is man and woman, though. No, no, no. Again, I'm not if you're defining you. social constructs, it's weird to define a social construct with a biological term. It's really weird to me. And I guess, yeah, okay, that I agree. So there needs to be another biological term. We need another social term. No, we need another biological term because they use female or I see what you mean. We do need another social term. I take that mm-hmm. back. You're right. Yeah. And take out the biological term. I don't know what we do. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer, but I feel like this is some of the problem (laughs) with the folks who are... They clearly don't have an answer either. (laughs) This is some of the problem with the people who are just like, a woman is somebody who's female. And it's like, no. I say... No, it's not. A woman is someone who identifies with society's view of what femininity is. 
they identify strongly with that and they try to embody those things. Now, the problem is, is that that's even varied because from woman to woman, it's not like there's one way to be a woman, right? There's not one way to be feminine, right? There's not one way to be feminine. We were talking about this a lot because we were talking about the way that you and I participate in gender. And there are a number of qualities that are considered feminine, behaviors that are considered feminine that I do not participate in. I very much identify with being a woman, Mm -hmm. but still, there's so much of the feminine that I just cannot identify with at all i on the other hand am trying to break myself of a lot of those characteristics because i don't agree with them i did it honestly out of a way to survive because it felt the safest option for me at the time but it never felt genuine like being meek and quiet i am for the most part quiet if i have nothing to say But not speaking up because I don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings or I don't want to make someone feel being okay with me being uncomfortable to make other people comfortable is a glorified trait for femininity, right? They're like, that never sat well with me, but that is what I did for a lot of my life. And now it's a hard habit to break, but I'm breaking it, right? To some other people, they may not feel that that's something that they need to recover from. I personally do. So it depends on the aspect of your idea of what femininity is. Because like you said, you identify as a woman, which are very assertive. There are assertive women, but society and especially religious society does not have much value for those types. So I think that also plays in. So because we're talking about sex earlier and sex as in biological determination, sex is either of the two main categories, male and female, into which humans and most other living things are divided on the basis of their reproductive functions. And I have a definition here for gender, and it says gender is a social and legal status a set of expectations from society about behaviors, characteristics, and thoughts. Each culture has standards about the way that people should behave based on their gender. This is also generally male or female, but instead of being about body parts, it's more about how you're expected to act because of your sex. So I'll agree with those definitions for now. <laughs> now you brought up gender performance. Yeah, and I did. So gender performance are roles we are taught by society. Boys don't play with dolls. Girls wear dresses that we use to integrate ourselves into society. I'd agree with that. Because if you're a girl... It's easier to do with boys because there's a different type of leeway. I won't say more leeway. There's a different type of leeway. Like if a girl is wearing pants, nobody's going to be like, she's going to be a boy. Take those pants off. Not over. today. Not in today's not today society. Not, not with even in where the last 30 years. Since easily the 90s, it's not been a thing. So I'm going to say no. But even still today, if you put a boy in a dress, Ooh, there is a good chance that people are going to lose their ever-loving shit like every troy ounce they have if they see a boy in a dress 
And so in order to be safe, in order to fit in, because like it or not, even though both you and I are introverts, we're still human animals. And all of us, to some extent or another, we need to belong. And so people do the things to help up those chances of belonging. And gender roles is one of those things. If you're a boy, you do X. If you're a girl, you do W. And I feel like it is, it's just a matter of safety. It's a matter of (laughs) we have not overcome our biology quite yet. So belonging is one of those key things. And I do think that. Yeah, social creatures, we feel the need to categorize and identify with categories and put ourselves in boxes and put other people in boxes. The thing about gender is so silly to me is it changes over time and it changes across cultures. So even in today's point in history, Mm -hmm. in our current point in history, gender is not static. Gender means something different depending on what socioeconomic class you fall within and the culture in addition to that. That has been the case for a very long time. I was going to say it's always been the case, but I don't know about all of that. But to say that women should do W and guys should do X is just really fucking dumb. When go back a few 20, 30, 50 years and you'll find that the opposite was true. So it's very odd for people to cling so strongly, desperately, vehemently, dogmatically. You better say it. To these gender roles and gender performances is just so stupid. It is. And it's interesting because if everything else has changed, (laughs) why is it that people have the hardest time understanding that gender two has changed? Like it's not stagnant. Anything that stays stagnant does not last. And I don't care if you're one of those people. Well, God made people 2000 years ago. That's how you fucking feel. I don't know what to tell you, but whatever. Even then, the things from 2000 years ago, if they still exist, we're talking about nature or any man-made thing is a ruin more or less at this point, right? Anything that was is always and forever changing. It can't stay the same because people don't stay the same. Everything around us, everything about us has changed. So why is it that this one thing has to remain stagnant. Like how in the world can you convince yourself that, well, this is just how it's always been and this is why it needs to be this way. No. Because the Bible tells me so. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Olivia's complete silence. I can't. (laughs) All right. I have also here gender identity. I'm just getting all of the (laughs) definitions out of the way. Please, come on, bring it. Gender identity is how you feel inside and how you express your gender through clothing, behavior, and personal appearance. It's a feeling that begins very early in life. Think about kids when they want to wear certain things or play with certain things. It's not set in stone because they're kids. They don't understand that. Yeah, they're just exploring gender identity and gender performance. If your daughter picks up a a freaking sword and she's running around being a ninja, pretending she's a ninja, that does not mean she's going to go off and become a boy later on. Just like if your son picks up a doll. Or if he wears a dress. Or if he wears a dress. (laughs) It's so interesting because I was watching this docuseries on Apple, Becoming You. Mm -hmm. 
And it's about our first five years of life and the unique things about being human. So mm -hmm. that's what this docuseries is about. There is a segment in this docuseries about gender exploration and young children. But it was talking about how it's very normal for children to play with identity in general, but to explore gender identity. And it says in there that even a lot of the children who explore gender identity end up identifying with the gender that typically we match up with biological sex, right? A significant number of those children, most of them, end up just being a boy, even though they explored the girl gender and vice versa. And I wish society, we're getting there. It's going to take some time. Right now, we're going through a something real bad right now. We'll, we'll get there. But I need society to be more comfortable with exploring your gender as a child, exploring your sexuality as a youth, or just as an adult, whatever. You can explore it at any fucking whatever. time after you reach sexual maturation. But I just want society to be more comfortable with exploration and not trying to put everybody in boxes. Stop doing this bullshit. Why the fuck does it matter in the end? This is the harm of religion. I'm sorry, religious people who are progressive and you don't have these bullshit beliefs about gender and biological sex, okay? But I do think religion is holding us back. I sincerely believe that. To me, life, we don't choose to exist. But to the extent that we choose to continue existing, I think that we should enjoy this to the greatest extent that we can. That means, for me, playing. You play with gender. You play with sexuality. Um, you explore it to an extent that you are comfortable with. If you're not comfortable exploring it, then just don't. But then don't say that other people should not. Don't say that other people need to just be a man. If you have a penis, if you look like you might have a penis in your pants, you should be a man. What the fuck difference does it make to you? This is just absolutely asinine. Listen, the people who scream and holler all the time about freedoms are the main ones who stay trying to take them away from everybody else. Like, what does that? <laughs> I don't understand. If a masculine appearing person wants to wear a dress, what is that doing to you? How is that harming you? How is because it harming society? Because that's the thing that they argue is it's harming society. I think it's a way of shifting the blame. It's like, I don't want people to know that I'm the problem. So I'm just going to say it's indoctrinating the children. Indoctrinating the children in what way? Because you don't mind them watching you kiss on your husband as a, as a woman or whatever. That's fine. Everybody, all these comedians and stuff make jokes about kids walking in on their parents having sex. That's cool. But somehow two men or two women doing nothing but holding hands or hugging or even kissing. And we're not talking about full-blown makeout sesh. We're talking about just affectionate kissing or whatever, or holding hands or whatever. And all of a sudden, that's more damaging than your kid accidentally walking in on you in the middle of sex. This is just ridiculous. Yeah, you're okay with indoctrinating people if it's to something you agree with. participate in the standard gender binary. <laughs> but okay not anything outside of that. You're okay with indoctrinating people to be hetero or that mm -hmm. hetero is the right way to be. Yeah. But not that it's okay to just explore and just know that like a bunch of the people who even explore are going to end up being hetero. They're going like, to end up being cisgendered. 
I should say they already are, right? They already yes. are, but they're exploring what it's like. And there's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that. With it. it doesn't harm society. It doesn't harm the family structure, whatever the it's... fuck that is. That looks different in different societies also. Like this whole nuclear bullshit is about 100 years old. I was going to say, a bunch of cultures think that this is ridiculous. Because it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I have problems. It's but not I setting the family about, up for success. <laughs> I think about my sisters. I have four sisters. None of us were very girly, except my one sister. She was the girliest out of all of them. And what I mean by girly, she was always like, oh, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to walk in mud. She liked to play, but she liked to do soft play, play with dolls. And she was that girl. You didn't say soft play. You made me think of the women who are like, you need to do soft activities. Oh, that was the first thing that came to my mind, and I just made it up, so I don't know if soft play is a thing. Hopefully, it's not a sexual thing. No, but... I didn't think that. Oh, my God. If anybody thinks that, stop. Go Listen, away. You go away. I'm not going to lie. You stop it. It made me think of those oh, divine God, feminine please. bitches. Fuck out of here. So, but, yeah, we were all, like, play with, quote, unquote, boy toys. We had my, my favorite toy when I was a little girl was uh, my G.I. Joe's. And I played with those right alongside my Barbies. My Barbie was the commander of my G.I. Joe army. And I had a toy gun. You know, we had, we roughhoused. We did all that stuff. All five of us ended up being completely, well, we were cisgendered then. We weren't confused or anything. It was just, we were those types of girls. And they used terminology like tomboy, which I don't like. I don't like that either. No. Just like there's no one way to be a girl. There's no or no one way to be a boy. There's no one way to be a girl. There's no one way to be a woman or a man. Or if you don't identify with any of those. Also, fine. But I just don't understand why people are so dead set on making it an all or nothing deal. And I'm going to say something that is potentially controversial here. Go ahead. So everybody forgive me. I do. Again, (laughs) I participate in the binary. And so this is just my personal perspective. I do believe that pushing the gender binary so strongly is a contributing factor for some folks to identify as non-binary, agendered, gender fluid, gender non-conforming. I think it's a contributing factor for some people. If you did not prattle on about how much women do X, I don't then feel the need or the desire to be like, you know what? There are those I don't people. identify with that shit. So if that's what a woman is, fuck that. And I'm only saying that because there's some people out here who say like folks who are born female and then end up realizing that they are not a woman are doing harm by not just participating in womanhood and saying that women can be anything they want to be. I'm going to push back on that and say those are not the people doing the harm. The people doing the harm are the people saying that womanhood is this and don't be a boy. Stop being a boy. Stop being masculine. Stop. You need to be more feminine, right? Like Those are the people doing harm. Those are the people who are teaching folks that women can't be anything they want to be. The people saying, oh, you know what? I'm actually agender or I'm I'm non-binary. Those are not the people doing the harm. Stop fucking pushing this gender binary so much. And I think some people would be more comfortable with saying, yeah, I am a woman, but I just don't do whatever. So that's my personal take. I am going to add on to that. I do not think it is harmful for people to identify outside of the gender binary or identify as um, 
non-binary to whatever extent. There's always going to be people that fall outside of that regardless of the messages that we send about gender, gender roles, and gender performance. I understand that. Mm -hmm. I agree because when you make it an absolute theory that women should be this and do this think this feel this and then you have somebody who's like well hold on either a i don't agree or b i don't see myself in that definition so if this is what it means and it's this rigid definition and i don't fit inside it well then i'm gonna go outside it it's so funny because people feel like, oh, well, we don't need any rules. I guess everybody should just do what they want. And it's like, in some respects, yeah. Um, when it comes to gender, yes. Because why does it matter? Why? People are still going to reproduce. Humanity's right. not going to, well, humanity's going to go extinct, not because of anything to do with gender. We're working really hard at destroying ourselves we and fucking up it. the planet. We're, we're giving it all we're, we got. We're doing overtime. <laughs> and it's not even most of us doing the damage, but... Y'all are focusing on the really small issues here, so they're so pro-gender binary and, and anti-anything that falls outside of that, but wild. they don't give a fuck about climate change. And so I'm just like, <laughs> y'all are focusing on the wrong shit. The <laughs> humanity's going to go extinct <laughs> and it don't got nothing to do. <laughs> with gender, race, none of this. So true. So you want to talk about what the conservative definition of a woman is? <laughs> yeah, man, listen. <sighs> it's hard because I was looking up these different meanings of what womanhood is, what a woman is, right? Because there's the standard usages and then there's what it means subjectively to all of us. And you encounter these very conservative definitions of what a woman is, where it's a person with a womb, the weaker sex, which, first of all, woman is not a sex. We're going to just reiterate that. <laughs> also, a woman is the wife, the mother. And here's the thing, man. First of all, all women don't have wombs, even women who are born female. Mm -hmm. All women don't have children. Hello, me and Olivia. <laughs> Hello. And, Still and, a woman. And all, all of the folk who identify with us don't have kids, not having kids. And also not being a wife. We're not being a wife to a man. Because that's not the being other a wife thing. To a man. Not being a wife to a man. It's just so stupid to define woman and womanhood in that way. Because there are women who get their wombs removed. There are women who never have them, like I said. And then we have talked about previously on this podcast about how disabled women are pushed outside of this conservative definition, right? Because yeah. people don't expect us to be mothers. People don't want us to be mothers as disabled right. women. There are a significant number of disabled folks who have their reproductive systems removed to some extent, right? Surgically removed. That happens to disabled women and women of color. So it's so stupid to identify woman or womanhood in that way. And what, you just exclude all women all people who were born female who identify as women who don't fit within that framework. And then we talked on previous episodes about how disabled people were legally forbidden from being married, from marrying each other, from reproducing. And what do you do with the definition of womanhood and woman? It doesn't work because there's trans people. It doesn't work for disabled people and for anybody who is forbidden legally, socially or otherwise culturally from participating in womanhood in this way. It just does not work. It is my opinion that when you engage and associate and internalize conservative ideologies such as this, <laughs> you are choosing woeful ignorance, elitism, and narrow-mindedness. 
And if you strongly identify with that aspect of your being, I am a conservative individual, then you're not listening to this podcast (laughs) because you are lost to us. But this is very much an elitist definition of what a woman is. I think about there's this one situation. There was this young girl. She was 14. She went through menopause. Like, what would you say to her? Does she not count? She never had childbearing years, right? She never got that choice. Her DNA did something that was completely out of her control. I think she also had a twin sister who did not have that same situation. Nothing is ever straight across the board. And like you said about disabled women and women who don't, that's why I truly feel that that is a very elitist, narrow-minded perspective that just does not deserve anyone's attention. You don't get a say in this situation if that's where you're going to draw your inspiration from. Let's get into turf ideology. I didn't know this shit was a thing until you told me. Yeah, and I only know it's a thing because on YouTube, I subscribe to a lot of channels run by trans folks or channels that promote the content of trans folks. So that's why I'm so aware of TERF ideology. So for folks who don't know, TERF means transgender exclusionary radical feminist. What the ever-loving hell? (laughs) How do you... I guess because I go with Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's definition of feminism. So I'm like, how can you claim that you're a feminist, but you are against any woman at all? And you are aggressively, actively, adamantly against trans people. You go out of your way to exclude them and try to make sure they don't have a place near you, but you're a feminist. And when people talk about toxic femininity or toxic feminism... (sighs) This is toxic feminism to me. Oh, absolutely. Because to me, feminism is about egalitarianism. Exactly. It's not just focused on the feminine. Like, yes, we focus on the feminine and what it means and how it has progressed, how it should progress. But more to the point that women should not be expected to participate solely in the feminine. And also, everybody who participates in the feminine is not a woman. Who the fuck are you as a feminist to say? You don't deserve the title. That trans women should be excluded from womanhood or women-only spaces. Let me just read this bullshit. According to turf ideology, trans women are excluded from womanhood and should accordingly be excluded from women-only spaces. The first thing I thought when I read that bullshit was, please do not pretend that women-only spaces are inclusive of all cisgendered women. We just talked about this. Disabled women are discriminated against in women-only spaces, whatever the fuck that is. And so are women of color to some extent. Fat women? You could keep going down the list. This is not even a real thing, man. Women-only spaces. It's not. It still centers whiteness, able-bodied existence, pretty privilege, all of this nonsense. All of that. So I just got a problem. Like women only spaces are already deeply discriminatory. I mean, as like fucking humanity. (laughs) All right, let me keep reading. Here we go with this. Womanhood, according to turf ideology, is defined exclusively by sex based oppression, a.k.a. oppression as a result of being biologically female. This idea weaponizes a reductive understanding of biology to argue that women, or those assigned female at birth, all experience gendered oppression in the same way. 
which erases our diverse experiences of gender as it intersects with race, class, sexuality, disability, and many other structural factors, as I just talked about previously to reading that, okay? Mm -hmm. So it is from a privileged position that these people argue for women-only spaces and that trans women shouldn't be included. It's like y'all are already discriminatory to a bunch of different types of people, not just trans women. I think trans women are just people's favorite people to hate right now. But people don't realize, like, this happened to black people, right? We had blacks only and whites only spaces. Uh, it's happened to disabled people, although no one's going to put up a sign saying no disabled people allowed. But, you know, when there's only stairs into a place, when there's not Braille signage, not Braille menus, not people standing there waiting or people who fly out of the woodwork to help you when you walk in as a disabled person, people who, when you do walk in as a disabled person, say it's not their job to fucking help you. All of this stuff, when you go to a place and the fucking bathroom doorways aren't wide enough to accommodate people who are in wheelchairs or walkers, you don't need to have signage up. But all of these different ways of discrimination are put into place and y'all ain't arguing against that shit. So y'all are just layering on the discrimination. And here's my thing, too. I think it is a form of seeking power. It's a power play, right? Because you feel these types of women feel so powerless. That's why they're screaming and hollering about their type of feminism, because that's not everyone's. And then two, they're like, well, this is a group that we can punch down on. We are of the same opinion as a lot of the dominant culture and especially men. So here's one where we have one up and it's one of two things. It's either A, we don't want the competition or B, we want to be the ones calling the shots for once. That is what this is saying to me. It's giving mad insecurity and it's giving, I want to have power over someone else or another group of people because I don't feel that I have it in any other arena. And I find that maddening when people who, especially if you are, you're a feminist, so you say, And I'm just going to say it. You're not the right type of feminist. And yes, I do believe there is a right type. I don't think they are feminists at all. Okay. I agree with that. That's why I say, so you say. But uh, most people who are feminists understand why they are. They don't identify with that moniker for no reason. Usually it's because of things that they've witnessed, things that they want to change, different ideologies that they might hold, whatever. So if you're doing all that, then you know what discrimination looks like. And instead of taking a step back and checking your own implicit bias, you guys formulate an entire group to discriminate against other people, even though you have, you're a feminist, you understand discrimination on the basis of sex, right? So you have a firsthand experience with discrimination and then you go and you visit that upon someone else. How are you any better? How are you the type of person that you claim that you are? How are you a true feminist if this is the route that you take? You guys have an entire fucking organization. Like, we need some critical thinking here. Yeah, and also, there's something I find problematic about unifying specifically over sex-based oppression, but I guess to the extent that people find community, it typically is surrounding 
oppression and like even the unique experiences that we all have in trying to participate in society and not fitting within the boxes that society says we should. So I don't know. I mean, it's something I find problematic, but I understand it's here for a reason. So I'm gonna just have to let it go. (laughs) In line with what you were talking about, a lot of these turf people claim that there is backlash against womanhood. There is. Womanhood is under attack and womanhood is being appropriated. Okay, first of all, womanhood is not being appropriated. It's not being appropriated. Again, like I said earlier, it changes over time and it's different across classes and cultures. So that's just complete nonsense, period. Now, there is backlash against womanhood. We have said on this podcast before that society is anti-woman. Mm-hmm. I would even say being anti-trans is also another form of misogyny, misogynoir. It's another form of being anti-woman. Because when you're trying to set standards about who can participate in womanhood and who cannot, you are going to exclude some women from that. When you say it needs to, it's people who have wombs, people born female, people born with female genitalia, or people who are wives, people who menstruate. You're going to still exclude women who are actually biologically female. And don't do those things. I can't. Just stop doing this. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there is backlash against womanhood to that extent that I just described, and then some. There is a lot of backlash against women being masculine, women being assertive, women falling outside of society's definition of what the gender role should be. There's backlash against women just showing up in society as women, right? When you talk about oppression, the discrimination that we face due to the bodies that we have. Yeah. When you talk about having clothing standards and uh, uniforms, hairstyles, standards, All of this ultimately impacts women or people who are feminine folk. It impacts us the most and regulates our bodies the most. So that is some of the backlash we could we've had entire episodes on the backlash that women face. We don't necessarily need to rehash all of it here, but society is anti-woman and anti-girl. Society is very much anti-woman. There is a war on women's choices being taken away in a myriad of different ways in that regard womanhood and women in general there is a backlash but it has nothing to do with trans women no it does not it's one of those things where people find one problem easier to focus on than actually addressing the real issue yeah how y'all gonna come after trans women and not these fucking men out here assaulting women and more likely to side with them i'll never forget the young lady no she wasn't a young lady she was a older middle-aged lady and she had four sons and she was trying to get leggings banned at her son's college because she said that was tempting to her sons and they're good catholic boys and and the girls should not be walking around looking like that because that's just gonna tempt them what you have a problem madam the rest of the world has a problem you created four problems I want to get into a working definition of womanhood or a working understanding of what womanhood is. And very interestingly, I stumbled upon this article published for International Women's Day in 2019 talking about how women define what being a woman is. It was 17 women share what womanhood means to them. I'm not going to read these. There's 17 of them. Each of them wrote two paragraphs. (laughs) The first one is about When did I first identify as a woman? And the second paragraph is, what does being a woman mean to you? So I will link that in the show notes. I'm not actually going to read from it. But what I will say is it was very interesting to read through these 
and arrive at my own understanding about how womanhood is ultimately about reclaiming autonomy and performing gender or expressing gender based on your personal preference rather than societal expectations or social pressure. So when I think about womanhood from the angle of reclaiming autonomy, I think that is a wonderful definition or that's a wonderful perspective for me because for so long it was defined by the limitations we had to live by, the limitations on what we could and could not do, on the way we had to be, on the lives we had to live and what a lady is. Yeah. Or is not, and yeah. what a what a good woman is. I would agree with that because I'd argue that a lot of what women have been told a woman is comes from a man's perspective. Yes, and that's problematic. So yes, reclaiming that autonomy—at least in today's world—I honestly believe that there was a point in human history where this was not the case. But in what we know now, it is very much the case. And I do think we're claiming that autonomy and being able to choose what that means to you. And I don't think it just extends to womanhood, although that's what we're talking about. I think it also extends to manhood as well. And maybe I always get a little uncomfortable when people say, well, we should do away with the gender binary, because for me, the gender binary more or less works. And so I have to sit with that and unpack how would I identify if, in fact, we did as a society say, okay, the gender binary is antiquated. Where do we go from here? What's the new thing? But I do think like reclaiming your autonomy and making a determination of how you want to show up in the world that's free from societal like ridicule. I do think there's power in that. I want to say something about your discomfort with people talking about doing away with the gender binary. Mm -hmm. When people say that, I truly believe they are talking about accepting that there is a gender spectrum. So to push gender aside for a moment, because I think this is something that you are going to be able to relate to. And this is this is the way I like to unpack ideas that are uncomfortable to me is, okay. set that idea aside for a moment and talk about something that's analogous. So mm-hmm. take disability, for example, okay? Mm-hmm. As blind people, we understand that there is a spectrum of blindness, legal blindness, partial mm-hmm. blindness, uh, visually impaired. All of this is a spectrum, and, and this is how a lot of disabilities are. It's not like pregnancy, where you, you either are or you're not pregnant, right? It's, <laughs> it's not like that. It is a spectrum of how blind are you, how visually impaired are you, in what ways are you visually impaired, and in what ways is your vision not impacted. Just think, there are certain disabilities, like autism, right? It's called autism spectrum disorder. And there is an entire spectrum on which people are autistic, and it doesn't look the same for all autistic people. And I think the same can be said with womanhood and manhood and just gender performance in general, where this is a spectrum of existence. It is not a binary. When people say they want to do away with the gender binary, they're not saying that they want to do away with womanhood. Okay. Well, I can't speak for everybody, but that's my understanding. Okay. (laughs) That was never my understanding. I, I get that. I believe now that gender exists on a spectrum. So I thought they were like, we should do away with the terms you know, man and woman and all of that. And I'm just like, for me, being a woman works. Like me calling myself, I identify as being a woman. I'm a type of woman. I'm not the only type, but I'm a type. And so for you to come in and say, 
well, let's just do away with it because it's not fitting everybody. It's like, oh, hold on. But if you say that let's get away from the binary and shift to a spectrum model, I can get yes. behind that. I'm already there. Yeah. Instead of getting rid of man and woman, think of it as building upon that. So we have terms for people who are, well, I am mostly a woman, but a little bit guy. Or I'm mostly guy, but a little bit woman. Or I'm 50-50, man. Or like we can have more terms. Get out I don't of the box. To me, it's about expansion, not extinction. I like that. Yes. That's a word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something interesting that came up while we were having the discussion breakdown for this episode is we were talking about... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about gender excluding disabled people, and we also got into talking about the ultra-feminine and ultra-masculine disabled people. Oh, God, like the yes. really, The really girly disabled uh, women. And I find it incredibly interesting when disabled women participate in things like they do the makeup and the waxing and waxing have I get. These makeup I don't get extensively color coordinated outfits and they have like 30 yeah. pairs of shoes and and all this stuff. And it's something I'm not going to get because I'm a totally blind person and I'm not a girly girl. I think it has more to do with you not being a girly girl than you being a blind person because yes. they're blind people, totally blind people since birth. Who engage in this sort of behavior. I don't want to make it sound like risky behavior. It's but. not risky behavior, but <laughs> something you said that I found intriguing was that some of this may be a way to compensate for the negative perceptions that we face as disabled people. I forgot I said that. I yes, I wrote it down. And I found that interesting because there was a time where, okay, so one, I'm going to say, I think I've said this in a different episode when we were talking about beauty, disability, and appearances. We did a whole series on that. Ago. I think it was just last summer, actually. Well, I swear, <laughs> I felt like it was so much further away than that. Yeah, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I think everybody <laughs> should listen to it. But I was raised by somebody who used to be a model. Uh, my mom did some fashion modeling, like some clothing modeling. I don't know, whatever. And so my mom loved coordinating my outfits and me having like 20 different jackets and coordinating like in that way, not just matching top and bottom, but you got to have the layers and you got to have the seasonal coordination and all this bullshit that oh my God, I can't even bother with me. this right now. Okay. <laughs> I stopped doing that as I got into the field that I'm in right now, which is animal welfare. And like, to me, doing this and working in animal welfare is stupid when you get bodily fluids on you on a daily basis. And just like, you just can't, you shouldn't care about your clothes as much from my perspective. But there's people who do. They still come in with nails, polish and all this bullshit. But for a while, I did find it very pleasing when people would say stuff to me about my outfit being coordinated or my hair being done nicely. And not expecting that. They were like, wow, you can't see at all and blah, blah, blah. And that's problematic. But society doesn't expect us to look put together as disabled people. No. They're surprised at how well put together some disabled people look. And also there's a problem with like perceptions of what being put together means. Okay, I don't even know if it's worth getting <sighs> into it in this episode. But <laughs> <laughs> after you brought it up, Olivia, I was like, oh, yeah, I think a lot of disabled people do use that in order to, well, one, push back against the negative perceptions that society has, but also to compensate because there are some ways that we do fall short as disabled people just functioning with a disability. And then there's also some negative mental health aspects that 
a lot of us deal with as disabled people. And so we find ways to get more compliments out of society. And then also part of this has absolutely nothing to do with what other people think about you, but it's also about feeling good about yourself. I will say that. That can be an aspect. I do think that part of this is just feeling good about yourself. So feeling good means getting pampered and you get your nails done and and you wax and you put your makeup on and you get to spend 20 minutes putting your makeup on and basking in beautifying yourself. I mean, whatever. I can't identify with that, but I do understand. I understand that there are people who like that makes them feel good. That makes them feel beautiful. That's important. I try to keep that in mind because all of that makes me feel stressed out. Yes. I don't enjoy it. Like when I have to do it for a specific thing, like when I was a belly dancer, we would have performances. I knew it had to be done, but the whole time, I'm stressing over, does it still look right? Because I can't see it. And that has always been my thing. Like, oh, I can't see it. So why am I doing it? So I don't do it in my regular every day because I don't feel connected to that ritual. So, But I can acknowledge that makeup and things of that nature is something that is associated with femininity and thus womanhood. However, I have zero interest in participating in that aspect, but I'm still very much a woman. I do have to keep in mind too, though, that just because it doesn't interest me, that doesn't make it something that no one should do. I just wanted to close out with talking a little bit about my personal understanding of womanhood. I definitely identify with the reclaiming autonomy angle. Also, like, I want humanity to be this way, but at present... Not enough of it is. But to me, womanhood is very much about emotional connection. And I realize in saying that I'm going to be excluding some women, excluding the women who aren't deeply emotionally connected to people. So what I will say is like, this is what makes me feel very womanly. I'm not going to say that this is what womanhood is. But the types of things that make me feel very womanly is more about the tendency toward emotional vulnerability open and honest emotional expression, right? Where we are very in touch with our full range of emotions. It's not like we have to show up as angry or sad or petty or always happy or always quiet or loud or whatever, right? We can be in touch with that full range of our emotions. And men haven't been socialized to be that way. I think a lot of the parents now are working on that. And again, this is cultural because in some cultures, men are encouraged to be in touch with their full range of emotions. There are some men that despite the way they were socialized, they have grown into being in touch with their full range of emotions. And I love that. Yes, I (laughs) I love it so much when I see men like that. I'm like, yes, where are you? Yeah, where are you? (laughs) Another aspect of womanhood for me is our ability to be physically affectionate without motive. It doesn't need to be sexual or romantic in order for it to be received as positive or interpreted in a positive light. You know, we can just be physically affectionate and there's no underlying motive or intent there. It is just us being close. And I consider that a privilege of womanhood. Unfortunately, a lot of men don't get to participate in this with other men because there are men who participate in this with women. But Mm -hmm. they don't participate in this with other men where it's considered like people will automatically think you're gay or crushing on them. Let's say you have a conversation with a guy you don't know as a guy. If you closed that conversation with a hug where like y'all are cheek to cheek or any sort of a hug, 
society would say, okay, these guys, they have a thing, right? There's got to be some level of intimacy beyond that. That is the end goal there. Whereas with women, you can sit down somewhere, maybe at a conference or a church or a social event, and you might close out a hug and a lady that you didn't meet before that event or before that day, whatever. And nothing would be thought of it. It's sort of a privilege that we have as women. I agree. But I also want to say that I think it's cultural and it really depends. Oh, yes. Because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking of Black guys. You know, they might meet up and then after, you know, like this is our first time meeting. And they're like, all right, man. Like touch is affection if it's not done in, in an aggressive, angry way with the intent to cause harm. Okay. So there are all sorts of touches there's hugs there's handshakes there's the dap up all of that yeah, and yeah, all yeah. of that is a form of affection oh you're right yes and so i'm thinking of like i've seen it happen when they're like all right man and then they do the, the bro hug you or know, they do a handshake like, or, or handshake, like you know fist like, bump whatever yeah. man like that expression of solidarity or and some level of care yeah I would love it if women could, because I'm a toucher. I like to touch. It's funny because in my family, I'm like the only toucher, which is weird because I grew up part of the reason why I have so many issues because this is not a touchy family. So I was fucked up for a long time. I didn't think I liked being touched either. But in my family, we're not, they're not huggers or anything like that. They make exceptions for me. But I often ask. There was a point where I wasn't hugging anybody. Then I started asking all the time. And now it's just, you know, whatever. But I do think that going back to what you said, there are women who are not into physical. This is me. You made an exception for me. You let me hug you. Okay, but we have known each other. (laughs) Didn't we hug when you first got here? I can't remember. I can't remember. But I know we hugged. I know we hugged when I left. And I was like, oh, she let me hug her. Your sister (laughs) and her friends also, because they asked before they hugged, which I appreciated that. They were like, is it okay to hug? (laughs) But again, to me, it feeds into that. It's like, those are women I never, never met. Obviously, they've heard my voice, listened to the the podcast, and they've heard you talk about me. Mm -hmm. But women I never met. And immediately, they were like, hey, let's hug. (laughs) And we hadn't even really had a conversation before that point. Guys are not going to do that. Now that, I will give that to you. Yeah, man. Like, that's not a thing that guys typically do. I'm not going to say no guy anywhere ever does that. But that's so atypical. With women, it's just like, we don't think twice about it. Yeah. And I will say, I do think something happened to me during the height of the pandemic where I have started exploring more about what it means for me to be comfortable with physical touch. Because I have said on this podcast before, I don't want people to touch me. Don't touch (laughs) me. I don't like being touched. And then I think having to deal with a tremendous amount of stress and dealing with it alongside other people. So one thing for sure that helped me get more in this mode of exploring de-stressing and decompressing through touch was when my first guide dog died. And then also the height of the pandemic, where I was in a lot of different stressful situations with other people. And what I started noticing about myself is certain times of day, I am more comfortable with being touched. Uh In the morning, I don't want anybody to, don't hug me. Do not touch me. (laughs) Really, just don't. But in the afternoon, 
after I have dealt with enough of the day's bullshit or enough of the day, I'm just like, you know what? I do want to hug right now. I, I'm totally down with hugging somebody, especially with my coworkers. I'm close to a lot of my coworkers. A lot of them are women. And there is a coworker I have where she'll come in for her shift at like two o'clock or two thirty. I'm almost done with mine and we'll hug for like 10 minutes. I don't know. It feels like a 10 minute hug, man. But we both just we just hold each other. Really is what it is. After a certain time, it's not a hug, right? You're just holding each other. Well, they say that you get the most benefit out of a hug if you hold it for 20 seconds. So yeah, I do this try is, to hold this is way longer seconds, than that. Unless I don't know you. There's a coworker <laughs> I have too where we'll just stand there and have a conversation, but we're not standing apart. We are hugging mm-hmm. and just talking. Sometimes it is emoting. So like she's going through something very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mind just hugging her while she's talking about that. Dudes can't do that. Yeah, dudes can't we do that. allow dudes to. They don't. Guys are not allowed to just stand there and hold each other. Yeah, which is sad. It is sad. This is a privilege that we have as women. And I don't know, having experienced these stressful situations, wanting to comfort people dealing with stress who I am close with or I consider them my friends, it has helped me realize the power of touch. It's helped me set boundaries surrounding touch because, like I said, I still don't like it during certain times. And then there's other times where I'm just like, yes, let's hug. Yes, strangers, let's hug. (laughs) And so I'm happy about that. That's a big part of being a woman for me recently. I would agree with that. I don't know that I have a definitive definition of what being a woman is to me other than what I said earlier. But what I would like to see is for more leeway, more allowance for the expansion of the identity of women. Because while I'm not a submissive type, that doesn't mean that somebody else who is a woman shouldn't be or should not be allowed to. Because I'm not this or that, that doesn't mean that... I'm not as much of a woman or this other person is more of one or vice versa. I just want the definition. I say let's blow it up and allow it to grow and change with society where we are. Can we do that? I think little bit by little bit. Looking at the different definitions of what a woman is in the dictionary, you can already see that starting to happen. So that's just really what I would like to see. I don't know that there's an end game to that because everything's always changing. But if I had to define it, I would just say I would want a very loose definition. So everyone who wants to identify as a woman can find themselves in that. This is Intersectional Insights. If you like our content, leave us a rating or review to help the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can email us, I squared, I-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D, hello, at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.